Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. All right, imagine it's December 31st, 2022, and I told you that as of February 16th, uh, the Red Wings have won four straight games against, uh, including against Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, Dylan Larkin is one of the best players currently in the NHL in terms of how he's performing in the month of February. Uh, there was a contract extension on the Red Wings, I wouldn't say who, and Jacob Verano was just recalled to the team. How insane would you have thought I was? I would say you're doing two truths and a lie. Right? It sounds like something in there is made up. Given how the last three years have gone, I would say it's probably about right, with all the context being in the exact opposite of what you think it would be. I think Red Wings fans have deserved this amount of excitement and the the storylines here, but it's definitely been like 17 things all from different angles. Uh, Even just the last 48 hours, let's call it 72 hours, have been wildly unexpected. You guys doing okay? I'm less sick this episode, so that's good. Hey, one step further from the grave. That's not very often for you. Usually usually, I'm going the other way. (laughs) You're you're creeping towards (laughs) it most of the time. (laughs) All right, folks. uh, Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Plenty to talk about uh, on this episode. I am one of your hosts to bring you all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL, uh, rumors, breaking news, and more. Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, plenty to talk about. Like I mentioned, the Red Wings are currently in the midst of a four-game winning streak, uh, including two wins over Vancouver and Edmonton. Uh, We'll talk about storylines from those games, including Dylan Larkin uh, playing some of the best hockey of his career, uh, Mo Sider playing like Mo Sider of old, Vili Husso uh, returning to form, uh, and some uh, updates from, actually, you know what, the entire lineup, really. You could say something about all of them. Uh, Jacob Vrana. Recalled from Grand Rapids to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, didn't play last night. We're not expecting him to play tonight, but more about how all of that came to be, what that could mean for him, uh, and why they needed to bring him up, uh, which means we'll talk about Lucas Raymond uh, and his injury, as well as Jake Wallman. We'll be talking about the news that dropped today, which was a an extension that folks weren't expecting, maybe not now. Oli Mata, two more years as a Detroit Red Wings, at least, you know, on contract. Uh, what that means for not just him, but, you know, the left side of Detroit's defense, Brent, Ben Sherratt, uh, left side defenseman who want to come into the NHL and, and the competition that they have. Uh, news from across, well, actually Grand Rapids, uh, Simon Edvinson's uh, crushing it. We'll talk about where the Red Wings are compared to the uh, the playoff teams. Uh, news from across the NHL and whatever else we get to before uh, overtime. Before all that, uh, I want to let you know about two things. First of all, uh, the auction that we just ran uh, not too long ago uh, was a huge success. It helped us raise over $750 for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And so we're running another one. Uh, What we are auctioning off is a package deal where you get two tickets to the the Detroit Red Wings game on Saturday, uh, February 25th at Little Caesars Arena versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's going to be a great game. Uh, You also get a meet and greet with Ken Daniels in the gondola at the arena, uh, either pre or post game or during the game uh, time uh, to be determined uh, as per your schedule. But you get to meet Ken Daniels and in the gondola, you do run into a lot of other people. Uh, The person uh, who won it last time uh, ran into Mickey Redmond there. 
uh, and uh, Ken will be uh, is very excited to meet the auction winner. Uh, additionally, we are throwing in a, pa- a piece of Winged Wheel podcast apparel, so uh, you can choose the custom Mickey Redmond style flannel if you'd like. Uh, you can go for the quarter zip, anything on our shop, uh, we'll throw that in for you as well. So the link to that auction will be available in the uh, episode description. If you don't see it right away, it will populate uh, soon thereafter. And the auction is going to run for a week up until uh, the evening of February 23rd. So uh, all proceeds go to the Jamie Daniels Foundation and we're really, really excited to raise some more good money for them. Also, Winged Wheel Podcast night slash day at the LCA. It's a partnered event with the Detroit Red Wings uh, that we host uh, a live podcast, uh, live recording the Winged Wheel Podcast, uh, which has featured special guests like Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. Uh, There are giveaways, prizes, merch, Q&A with the special guests, uh, meet and greet with them and less importantly, us, the hosts. Uh, there is, uh, and then obviously your ticket also gets you into the Detroit Red Wings game. That's Saturday, April 8th against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, you get a special winged wheel podcast discount. You sit with other winged wheel podcast fans and listeners, uh, portion of the proceeds from every ticket sold goes to benefit the Jamie Daniels foundation as well. There is a, uh, post game, uh, festivities as well. So DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP to get your tickets. Again, that's DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP. Uh, all the gondolas sold out, but upper and lower bowl seats have been added. So get your tickets today. They do go fast. Four straight wins for the Detroit Red Wings. Let's start because that's quite a bit to unpack. Uh, they started us off with a second drubbing of the Vancouver Canucks. Look, I know we said this last time, and please know that I'm not qualifying this you know, to be reductive about the Red Wings win. But oh my God, the Vancouver Canucks are bad. Like they are bad, 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 bad. They were going for it this year, too. Going for what? <laughs> it. Whatever that might be. <laughs> they are so bad. Like, I, I don't have the standings in front of me, but they are so bad that even if they were going for it at any point, they are still like really firmly in the Connor Bedard race. Like They're not that far out of it. Oh, no. That was... If the Red Wings are multiple games, two games in a row, one at home and one away dominating you completely, putting up five plus goals and just controlling play. Like, oh my goodness. I get that the Red Wings, like the Red Wings are top the bottom third of the league. Let's in and around there, right? But it's so weird to see that much of a disparity between where the Red Wings are and where the Canucks are, but they are very much in a different tier. They are the grocery sticks of that tier. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the Red Wings are a low middle tier, high bottom tier. Vancouver's just a, low bottom tier uh but hey good for vancouver it's not like a hometown phenom is uh the first overall pick in the upcoming draft imagine being this bad with elias Pettersson and quinn hughes ah man i i i feel for the the fans i really do feel for the fans after what they did to luongo after game seven in uh 2011 i don't ever feel bad for that fan base they're like they're the leafs west it's okay, Ryan. You don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> I don't feel bad for anybody. No, you don't. You certainly don't. The Detroit Red Wings uh, won that game. Uh, what was the final score? Six to one. Uh, and when was the last time the Red Wings beat anybody like that? I feel like it's been a while where it was just a sound Vancouver? blowout. <laughs> yeah, two, two days prior, Brad, against Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, but even they get Vancouver at least got two goals that game. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, even before Dylan Larkin score, scored, the way he was playing out there, like we were messaging in our chats like, Whoa, Dylan Larkin is flying. Might be the best Dylan Larkin game I've seen at the NHL level, to be honest. The best period, for sure. Like, him in the first period. He was a man possessed. Oh, God, he was all over them. Uh, I think Prashanth joked that he looked like Nathan McKinnon out there, and he actually did. Like, 
the way he was weaving in and out of the Vancouver Canucks, like moving through and carving through the defense like they weren't even there and ended up with two goals just in the first period alone. And yeah, Larkin after the all-star break is just so, I don't even want to say rejuvenated because it's not like he was bad before the all-star break, but you can tell that his play had plat not plateaued, just softened a little bit because he was dealing with injuries in the, in the grind of the season. Like, being able to kind of get that rest from the all-star break, he has been a man on fire ever since. He looks like a man who's trying to add a zero to his next contract. Someone asked an earnest question, so I want to answer this earnestly. They said, doesn't doesn't it bother you that Larkin is playing like this? Like you, you tend to kind of just skate past this idea of someone, oh, it's in a contract year, so they play well. Does that not bother you? And it's like, if you want to boil it down to that, sure, maybe, but it's not like Larkin any other year doesn't want to win. We've seen this guy play a passionate, I effing hate losing brand of hockey as long as he's been on the Red Wings. But there is just something about a contract year that gets elevates players to a whole new level. Sometimes they keep that level. So it's not like this is guaranteed to kind of go away or anything, but it's just not a new phenomenon. Like it's, it's going to keep happening because this is just the way it kind of goes in the NHL. There's some important context that's hard, hard to remember given how the last, you know, four or five years have went for the Red Wings. And because those years have went the way they have for the Red Wings, for the most part, they get ignored by the national media, rightfully so. I'm not going to dump on the national media for not putting more attention to a god-awful team. But one of the narratives that has been going around the NHL for a long time, even in the worst of the Red Wings situations was Dylan Larkin getting labeled as possibly the most competitive player in the NHL. Mm -hmm. That is really saying something when you are on a team as bad as the Red Wings have been. So the fact the Red Wings are getting good and it's showing through even more and he's in a contract here. Yeah, that all checks out. And does he have extra motivation because of the contract? Of course, everybody be lying if they, if they said that wasn't in their mind. This has never been an issue for Larkin. If we saw, I don't know who the best example would be. If we saw Anthony Mantha go into a contract here and then just go supernova, okay, you maybe some red flags there because yes. historically not the highest competitive, uh, highest competitor in the world. So that's different with Larkin. It's not a concern. The Red Wings moved forward that game. Uh, at one point, Vancouver made it 2-1 and that was all that they said. Uh, Robbie Fabry uh, converted after a great play uh, that involved Rasmussen and Kopp as well. Lindstrom got on the board. Pew Suter got on the board. Jonathan, Be- er, sorry, <laughs> further clarification on that. Jonathan Bergren. Uh, it's even more confusing. The There's fu- no H there. Yeah, I, I, I like the thing is the Swedish um, listeners are always in the mentions after, and they're like, no, that's not how it's pronounced, and it's like. You're right. I, I know that. We know that. We're not pretending to know the language of Swedish, but um, the player has changed how he wants it. So he wants a little bit of like North Americanization of the of the name. So uh, thank you to the Bally Sports Detroit team for for doing that uh, legwork for us and always keeping us up to date. Yanni Burgers. Yan, Yanni Burgers works, man. Leave it there. Yeah. Uh, the Red Wings ended up winning uh, 6-1. Joe Valeno had a really kind of underappreciated game. Like That pass to Berggren, that passing play was beautiful valeno as is usual for him um when he's playing well it's not the most noticeable he doesn't play the most minutes but i I think he deserves some credit uh, and to be called out for 
um, how that game and how he's been playing recently, I'd say. I've never been shy about, you know, voicing my opinion that Joe Valeno is underappreciated. And it's good when he has a game like that to kind of put an underscore on it because the points don't always come for Valeno. And, you know, for most of his career, they're honestly probably not going to. That's just not his game. Yeah. But if you're looking for a third line center and you're looking for, you know, someone to fill that, we'll call it an Anthony Sorelli role. Valeno is probably capable of doing that. Obviously not to the level of a Sorelli, but Tampa's a whole different animal. So, but similar style players, similar style skill sets, you know, if he can get in that realm, that that's probably the ceiling for Valeno, which is a good thing. Uh, again, Rasmussen, Lindstrom, Valeno, Fabry, Berggren, they all deserve credit for that night. Huso had himself another excellent game. Larkin's uh, uh, two goals put him at 20 goals on the season. He reached 50 points, uh, which is a big benchmark for him. And then the Red Wings moved on uh, to Edmonton a couple of nights later. Um, and again, without Wallman, without Raymond, by that point, uh, Verona had been called up, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and that was one where I was like, okay, the Red Wings just played Vancouver twice. I really am uh, serious about the fact that that team – it has a lot of deep struggles. So Detroit should beat them and did, and, and that cannot be taken away. I'm not saying, oh, they played Vancouver, it doesn't count. Um, but the Red Wings are now up against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers who can score at will. And this was a surprising game. Like the Red Wings opened up with a 2-0 lead with who else? Dylan Larkin opening scoring. Um, and that was the start of a very, very, very shaky night for Jack Campbell. I felt that he wasn't playing well at all until a few key moments in the third and I think overtime, uh, but they exposed Jack Campbell all night. Uh, it was Larkin and then uh, who was it that scored the second goal? It was Moe Sider. Yeah, Sider from the, uh, basically parallel to the net. I think it hit off of, uh, it deflected off an oiler a little bit, but again, just another shaky one that, that got past Campbell. Um, every goaltender who's got a strong opinion about the reverse VH probably was speaking up after that one. Oh yeah. Ozzy was talking about it. He, <laughs> he, he was, t- he was talking about how goalies are t- taught about the reverse VH, but that he inherently doesn't always love it because it opens you up in other ways. Um, it's a situational yes. stance and that was not the situation. Uh, Robbie Fabry after the Oilers made it two one, Robbie Fabry made it three one on the power play again, not not to take anything away from Fabry, but I just don't think it's a shot that even should have gotten past Campbell. I think it did take a deflection, but the deflection was almost as if it was past Campbell's pads. Um, and then the fourth, again, the fourth Red Wings goal at the end of the second to make it 4-2 because Nuge scored twice in the second period. It was Olimata, Larkin from the, the faceoff dot back to Olimata. Olimata just beat Campbell clean. Offensive dynamo, Olimata. We call him, you know, Ole Al McKinnis Mata for it was one of those nice um face-off wins with the pucks just slowly moving towards you. And as a defenseman, you can just step right into it and let it go. And he sure did, you know. Yeah. Not everybody's gonna score those, and he, he made it count. That's why you pay him the big bucks. That's right. That's the Mark Stahl full beans, just absolutely let it rip. He'd go bar muscle. down. Oh, he would. Yeah. With his earbuds in. All that being said, that's a puck that should be stopped 99 yeah. out of 100 times. Absolutely. And I was I was really shocked to come out in the third that Edmonton stayed with Campbell. I thought, you're the Edmonton Oilers. You know you can score at will, and you're probably going to have Detroit on their heels to start the third. I just don't know why you'd risk. I don't even know why you'd risk the fourth goal. Uh, 
but they did, and I was proven wrong uh, because Campbell, I think, was really great. In the th- he was perfect in the third, obviously, and in overtime. Uh, bad in the shootout, but that third period, Detroit just barely escaped. Just barely. You add 30 seconds to that third period, you add 30 seconds to overtime, I'm not sure Detroit makes it out. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, the Edmonton Oilers, they were just kind of doing whatever they wanted. Which is how the script of that game was always going to go, if not for the fact that Jack Campbell couldn't save a beach ball. Now, we've had we've seen a couple situations like this earlier in the year where the Red Wings won games. They very obviously shouldn't have because of goaltending, both good and bad. And in this game, it was both. Good Billy Huso, bad Jack Campbell. Um, but in years past, we've seen these situations play out and the Red Wings not capitalize. Did the Red Wings deserve the win? Absolutely not. Or is Edmonton a mu- clearly a much better team at this point? Obviously. But you have you have to play the game that's in front of you. And if you are going up against, you know, a pasta strainer and net, you gotta put it through. <laughs> and they did. There's a soup joke in there somewhere. I just don't know what it was. I kind of went with soup strainer, it would have actually been way better. Who's a, like a sieve? Soup. What, what's a soup Campbell. St- what's a soup strainer? It's when you really hate the broth. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a real thing, but okay. we have to work Jack Campbell into it somehow. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's a hard hitting like, analysis. Am I an idiot? Yeah. What the hell is a soup strainer? As long as you understand that Jack Campbell soup, you're yes, doing, you're doing I gotcha, good. I gotcha. I gotcha. What's worse, the fact that Brad said it or I went with it without questioning it? I don't know because I was too busy fig- trying to think if that's a real thing. As uh, at, at the risk of creating even more wrinkles uh, in Evan's brain, uh, one play you know you are not going to escape without me talking about on repeat. Connor McDavid bearing down on Mo Sider one-on-one in sudden death overtime and Mo Sider playing it textbook. Like coaches, take that clip, show it to the kids. That is textbook how you play one-on-one situations as a defenseman gap control he positioned himself exactly as deep as he needed to based on where his uh, uh, primary support was which was Larkin and he didn't really do much to slow McDavid down he just kind of angled McDavid towards uh, Sider which was good Um, took a swipe at the puck when he knew it wouldn't compromise his gap control or his feet and then when uh, that didn't work He ignored the puck. He ignored the dangles. He ignored the fact that the puck was between his feet. He went for the chest, played the body, took McDavid out of the play, completely neutralized him. That is one of my favorite Mo Sider plays of all time, and that includes other plays where he took uh, away a a McDavid scoring opportunity. That was, as a former defenseman, I don't know if you guys know. I did not. Yeah, so just just as a heads up, that was one of, it was practically tears of joy watching that, and people are going to be like, holy shit, Ryan, shut up. It's so dramatic. But that was just... Genuinely show it to the kids. That's exactly how you play that situation to make an otherwise a lot of players have been exposed one-on-one against Connor McDavid. Um, Sider played it perfectly. Remember how an obscure NFL reference, but you remember how the Seahawks at the height of their powers could never beat the lowly Rams. And it was always just some comical way of how, how does this keep happening? This is the Red Wings and the Oilers now. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Oh yeah, nobody on the planet, not even the best teams in the world can shut down Connor McDavid. And then here comes the Detroit Red Wings falling through the door. Oh, we got this. 
And most ciders uh, kind of laying the groundwork for it to be a permanent thing. <laughs> It's so, this is a testament to how good McDavid is. We're talking about Sider shut him down in overtime. The Red Wings really give McDavid a hard time. He still got two points that game. <laughs> it's an off night for him. It really is. His shootout goal was filthy. Like yes, he is just a disgusting player. If you're if you stay up late uh, as a Red Wings fan and you want to watch hockey, watch every Edmonton Oilers game you can. Connor McDavid is just such a treat to watch. Anyways, the game went to a shootout. Um, Huso was as good as Detroit needed him to be. Uh, Campbell uh, wasn't, and uh, the Red Wings stole the second point from from the Oilers, and it is now four straight wins for the Red Wings. I honestly don't remember the last time the Red Wings had four straight wins. It didn't feel like this. Like This has been on the heels of a lot of, I think, tough losses. Um, on the road as well. Yeah. Like, two of these wins came on the road, and, and that's that's hard. It's not easy to do, especially with a long road trip ahead. They still have three more games on the road before they're back at the LCA. I want to talk about some stats. I mentioned it previously. Dylan Larkin post-All-Star break has just been on another level, and I think some of that has to do with just the rest. Some of it... Probably has to do with being energized, playing with unreal players in the All-Star game, I'm sure at least a little bit. Uh, but, you know, letting his hand or wrist or whatever it was heal up and, and letting his legs kind of come back under him. He's, I think it's 19 points in his last 15 games. He is now officially back on a point-per-game pace. 52 points in 52 games for Larkin. Uh, playing as well as he, I think, ever has in his career right now. So at one point in the broadcast, Ozzy said... You know, Larkin, uh, there's no one in the NHL playing better than Dylan Larkin right now. And and full transparency, I kind of scoffed at that. Not like, uh, like, oh, that's so stupid. I just thought, yeah, I mean, Larkin's playing great, but no one better in the NHL right now, really? I'm not sure about that. And then um, Prashant, as he always does, gave us some good stats. Because Prashant only ever gives us good stats, never the sad ones. And yeah, Larkin is among the league leaders in goals and points, uh, I believe, in the month of February. If not, What is leading. he number one? He was definitely leading in goals uh, as of last night. Um, he's up there with the best of the best in the NHL. And I don't think it's a far cry to say at this moment in time, like tangential to like this exact period in the NHL season, Dylan Larkin is absolutely playing among the league's best. I think he's got like almost a 30% shooting percentage right now as well. So he's on, a, on an absolute heater. It's sustainable, I'd say. Absolutely. For sure. How, well, first of all, what better timing? The trade deadline is coming up. Everyone in the room of, in the Larkin negotiation wants <laughs> leverage. Eisman wants leverage. Larkin wants leverage. His agents want leverage. And Larkin is doing absolutely everything that's needed of him. And it's a statement, too. Like, this is a team that folks were saying there's no way they're going to make the playoffs. I still don't think like, I stand by what I said that based on how they were playing earlier this season. And even now, I think it's a really, really, really far stretch. Uh, but it's not the player's job to to care about trends and everyone else around them. You go out there and you try to win every game. Larkin has been putting his t- the team on his back a lot of nights. Yeah, it's the player's job to realize that they have got the team to within four points of the eighth place Washington Capitals. It's man management's job to realize that there's three teams between them and the Capitals that they also need to jump and outperform on, between now and the playoffs. And Larkin, oh, he doesn't care about the odds. No. He, he's he's playing like it's a sure thing. I think on points percentage, they're actually probably pretty close to Washington because they got three games in hand or, or something along those lines. Yeah, it's a, it's a great leverage for Dylan Larkin. And uh, the timing of this, from the Red Wing standpoint, not ideal. 
but no. a, a good development. I disagree. It is if you're going to trade him. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. You know what? I would rather have this problem if you're Steve Eisman, where Larkin is playing so well that his you know $9 million or whatever close to it that he's asking for is a little bit more justified on his end, rather than the captain and, and best player on your team slumping. That's, no, I, I... It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Look, assuming it doesn't change the uh, trade deadline position. I don't, I don't think Which I don't think it will, but it better not. Might get a few more phone calls, we'll, to be honest. We'll get there in a second. Someone else. Mo Sider. I believe he has 15 in his last 15. Goals? Yep. Points. Yep. Oh, yeah, 15 yeah. goals in the game. <laughs> yeah, we, no, this would be, we might be in emergency podcast territory. Yeah, we might be. <laughs> Sider was scoring at an 82-goal pace. No, Sider has 15 points in his last 15. All of this kind of kick-started when he switched to being paired with Jake Wallman. He's been back with Ben Sherratt, uh since Wallman's been out, but he's still been just as good. The Vancouver game, he had a really great play where he kind of danced on the blue line. He's just doing... His confidence is off the charts right now. Oh, yeah. He's been doing way more Mo Sider things at both ends of the ice. We're seeing, yeah, like you said, Evan, a very, very confident Mo Sider, and it's transformed the team on any given night where even if they've been outplayed and they have Larkin, Sider, and Huso kind of going out there... they got a chance. They do. It's back to being very, very fun to watch Mo Sider. Speaking of Ili Huso, four straight wins for him. Uh, I believe he has, what what is it, 945 safe percentage in those four games. He's letting in on an average of two goals a game in that stretch, and he's also won seven of his last nine starts. Not all of those wins were, you know, like 945 safe percentage those games, but seven of his last nine, four straight, 945 safe percentage in those uh, four he has been, it's a small sample here, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him come back down a little bit because they're playing him a ton. It's a low-key concerning. But he has been as good as he was at the start of the year, in my mind. It all feels sustainable. <laughs> every last bit of it. Why are you such a buzzkill? Why can't you just let us be? You know every episode. You know- I'm head, by the time people are listening to this, there will have been another game played, and I'm hedging so that this, the vibe of this episode is right either way this game goes tonight. Because <laughs> yeah, if they get blown up by Calgary, I'm the reasonable one. And if they don't, then hey, yeah, the overall tone's good. Like I'm Ryan, I'm doing it for the people. So that's where the Red Wings are at. Uh, those four straight wins, um, Larkin, Siren, Huso have been tearing it up. The Red Wings have Calgary. Calgary is playing, uh, or Detroit's playing Calgary four hours from now, the time of recording. So just as a heads up, we are recording between the Edmonton and Calgary games, and Calgary will have played probably by the time you listen to this. So if anything's outdated, we did our best. Um, our expectation is that Jacob Verano won't be playing that game. Um, you know, I they did call him up. Uh, before even the Edmonton game, but he needed time to not only just get practices in with the team. We were talking about it pre-show, Brad. You don't change the roster when you've won four straight. And they've already been extremely patient and cautious with his timeline and future with the team and when he would, if and when he would, or when he would return to the NHL. So why rush it now? Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, So it was reported by uh, David Pagnotta that he was... um, hearing that Jacob Verano was going to be recalled. Uh, That was really interesting news, obviously. Uh, If you think back to our many previous conversations about Verano, where we cautioned against the definitive reporting that was going on, that was, you know, um, he's done with the team and he might, he's played his last game in a Red Wings jersey. This is why we said it's fluid and don't, 
take those reports with a, a grain of salt because a lot can change. And hey, look at that. A lot changed. Uh, so we saw we saw that report from Pagnata asked around and we were actually able to kind of get confirmation. Well, we were able to get confirmation that Verona was indeed uh, being called up. Um, just one side note. It was really funny because very fairly, a lot of people were skeptical. They said, how could you confirm this? Are you just going off Pagnata's report? It's like, no, it was independently confirmed, et cetera, et cetera. And you can only do so much. Like you just say it and then you wait for it to happen. Like you can't spend your, all your time saying, no, I know this for a fact, I, you know, whatever. Uh, and then uh, a listener of ours, uh, Jeffrey Dunst, posted a picture of Verona at the airport <laughs> going to Denver to connect to Edmonton. <laughs> so... I was like, look, you don't have to believe me, but he's at the airport right now. Man. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with that information. I believe Grand Rapids was playing in Rockford. So I was like, he's not with Grand Rapids. So once that, um, the Verona news came through, it was like, okay, yep. doesn't matter how, how right we knew we were and, you know, confirming, uh, David's report. It's like, okay, now it's real. The Red Wings reported it. It's real. Uh, but like we said, he obviously didn't slot into the Edmonton game, just got in with the team, didn't even have, a, have an opportunity to practice. And then, yeah, if you are going to win four straight, you don't disrupt that lineup. It's a combination of um, uh, Verona being ready. He worked on his game a lot in Grand Rapids, trying to improve his play off the puck and his defensive play. The scoring came, but the the former were concerns, uh, obviously, and stuff that he wanted to work on and the team wanted him to work on. But um, it's up to how he does in practice, I think, before the team feels comfortable putting him in. So my expectation... I said this before, my expectation is that he comes in and, and probably gets a game in, uh, but I can't say for certain. Uh, I don't know for a fact that that'll happen. Um, the reason he came in was because Wallman and Raymond were both out and Derek Malone said that they would likely bo- both be considered day-to-day, but uh, I think Raymond um, is just having a little bit of a harder time coming back, so they put him on retroactive IR to February 10th. So no guarantee that he's back for the Seattle game. Uh, but definitely missing uh, missed the Edmonton game and is missing tonight against Calgary. So uh, he's on just retroactive IR. So it's not going to take forever for him to come back. Wallman could be back as soon as tonight. He's he's a true t- day-to-day. Um, but yeah, that Verona situation, the saga continues. If he comes back and if he plays, what do you see this as? Because for me, it's like, okay, the Red Wings didn't call up Soderblom. They know Soderblom can play in this lineup. My interpretation interpretation of that is if this is just insurance, you don't want to pull Soderblom away from consistent AHL games and minutes and development um, just to, you know, potentially not play a game, which is a risk here for Verona, um, and just kind of pull him off the ice. Uh, or a further out idea is, uh, uh, is this a showcase to potentially trade Verona? If a team wants or is interested in his, in his services, you have to show him in some NHL games this season post, you know, uh, the the player develop or the the player assistance program, that could be it. Or the simplest solution here is the actual answer: it's insurance because a a, a important score is out. They don't know how long they'll be out. They didn't want to disrupt Soderblom's development, so they brought up Verona. I know a lot of people are gonna throw their earbuds on the ground when I say this, but we don't know. I don't think the team knows. I think this is. A kind of let's just see what happens type of thing. Because the first thing that struck me when he got recalled 
wasn't just the timing of it that they were in the middle of a road trip that it was Lucas Raymond that went down. It's that they have, like you alluded to, other players in Grand Rapids who have already played significant time in Detroit. Like you could just plug and play Soderblom. You could just plug and play Ernie. Especially if you like if it's someone who doesn't isn't going to get into a game, you, you figure Verona's not a good candidate for that because that would just feel, for lack of a better word, cruel to, you know, send him down there, kind of keep him in the dark and then bring him up to not play him while he's not playing in Grand Rapids. And, you know, with, with all due respect to Adam Ernie, he spent enough time in the press box over his career that's that wouldn't be new to him. But it's a good sign in the sense that the organization, he's going to be around the team. And if this was someone they were definitively done with, they probably don't reinsert him into that locker room in any capacity. Yeah. So what do I ultimately make of this? I have no idea, but I'm taking it as a good sign because, you know, we saw all the reports a week ago. He's done. This is it. And obviously this coupled with the fact that they waived him, which we've talked at length about, they were very comfortable losing him, but they're comfortable with him being around the team again. If he gets into a game, they're comfortable with him playing with the team again. Is it a showcase for a trade? Potentially. Um, is it a, all right, man, this is your one last chance. Make it count. Could be. Could it be that, okay, out of all the guys they could recall, he's the one who could most similarly replace a Lucas Raymond type? Maybe. All are plausible to me. I don't have odds as to which it would be. I'm hoping it's the, all right, man, we're going to give you one more shot, make a count, or that's the end of it. We're trading at the deadline. We're buying you out after the season. I don't know. Because I'd like to see... Him, you know, I like people getting second chances when they deserve it. And if he has, you know, been as honest and put in as much work in Grand Rapids as has been reported. Yeah, I want to see him get another shot. And this could be it. Red Wings organization probably want to see that firsthand as well. See what he's like on the day to day, you know, start talking to him again. Just, you know, make sure everything's all good and see where his game is at with their own eyes. I'm sure that's part of it as well. Yeah, I, I think at a base level, um, you're right. And and at a bare minimum, this is insurance. Like like you said, Brad, you want to kind of replicate someone who can do what Lucas Raymond did. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but Verona can be impactful offensively. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that anything was decided here in advance. If Detroit didn't put up six against Vancouver, let's say it was a 2-1 game, and let's say they got shelled 4 nothing against Edmonton, I, I think Verona would slot in against Calgary. I would agree, yeah. But because they scored 10 goals, or was it uh, 5, 11, 16 goals in their last three games, they won their last four, then it makes sense to, you know, you don't disrupt that. There's not really a need to put Verona in. For all the reasons you both described as well, uh, there still are very real concerns about Verona's off-the-puck play and defensive play. So, um, you know, I got a note last night from someone and it was really funny. It's like, you know, Red Wings fans are really eager to have Jacob Verona in this lineup, but they scored four goals tonight and still were very lucky to kind of get out with a win. I don't know that adding Verona in against Edmonton would have been the difference that uh, people would have hoped. So uh, that's why, you know, these two games, this back-to-back, there's likely no Verona, but um, we'll see what comes up with Seattle on Saturday and then Washington the next Tuesday. Uh, if he's up that entire time, if he plays at all, we'll see. But 
again, this is uh, this is why we we cautioned against the any kind of definitive reporting. The situation has been fluid. This situation is still very fluid with Jacob Vrana, and we'll work to kind of uh, confirm what's confirmable uh, as we're able to. And just as a note, I think, um, just to put it out there, there's a lot of information that floats around in the hockey world, like a lot. And what you can actually confirm and report on as opposed to what you just hear, those are wildly, wildly different things. Like you hear quite a bit and it, there's so much noise. Um, so, you know, we're never going to get everything right. God, no, I'm sure we're going to, we've been wrong before. We'll be wrong again. Um, but it is, it's, there's always a priority to be absolutely sure and, and kind of sift out the noise. All right. The big news of today, Holy Mata, two-year extension, $3 million per season. This is a guy that was brought in at one year at uh, just over 2 million, was it? Uh, originally last off season. And uh, he's been a great story through and through. For the Detroit Red Wings and Steve Eisman said, yep, we want this guy solidifying our blue line for two more seasons, uh, or at least have the option to do that. And uh, they get him locked up before Wallman. They get him locked up, obviously, before Larkin. Uh, your thoughts on, on Olimata being extended in Hockey Town? Really simple. When you find a good player, you keep a good player. I, I don't think it's anything more beyond that. Uh, he came in as a one-year kind of show-me deal. And he performed well under it. Decided he wanted to stay in Detroit. Detroit decided they wanted to keep him. Gave him a nice value contract. Uh, a very good value for the Red Wings, I would say. And, you know, he he's a guy who could fill a couple roles on defense, do it well. And, you know, we talked about it at length in the offseason, but this continues to provide the Red Wings flexibility going into next season. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything poor about the contract extension and Olimata can play up and down the D pairings where required, when required. So he's been he's been pretty good for the Red Wings. So why not reward him with a nice contract and um, give him a little bit of job security per se? Yeah, there's no trade protection on the deal, which we'll talk about in a minute here. But um, it does, like you both said, it, it it's a good player that the Red Wings are keeping. He can play at different points in the lineup. He meshes really well with Philip Hronik. He's yeah. the Hronik whisperer. Yeah. Heronic, Heronic has been really excellent this season and deserves all the credit, but Oli Mata, I think, was a catalyst for that, or at least one of the catalysts. And that's important. Heronic is one of, has been one of Detroit's most important and impactful players this season. So you want to continue that. Chemistry is as, import, uh, as important as talent on NHL rosters, and anyone who's watched hockey for any amount of time can tell you that. Uh, what does this do for Detroit's left side on defense moving forward? So who do they have? Uh, Jake Wallman is an expiring contract. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, which means he can sign anywhere he wants for however much money he wants. Well, as long as the team agrees to give it to him. Uh, ben Sherratt, who I know can play both sides, but let's pin him to the left for now, and Olimata. In the ranks, they have Simon Edvinson, Albert Johansson, McIsaac. There's other players there. Uh, people are really looking at Edvinson into a little bit of a lesser degree Johansson to make that jump. And I think there's some understandable trepidation as to why would you add more middle talent to a defensive core when you want Simon Edvinson to burst onto the scene? And to that I say, the one, not the one thing, but one thing that I really love about what Steve Eisman has done with the Red Wings since he got here is he makes players earn their roles. 
he makes sure there's competition and he makes sure that Detroit is never in a position to as much as he can where if a player gets hurt they're screwed or if a uh, uh, a player has to be given a roster spot cuz really there's no one else it's not been you know like that completely but for the most part he tries to create that competition i like it i like that Evanson will have to earn his role i like that there's going to be tough decisions to uh, to make there's no guarantee that Jake Wallman returns no it's not signed yet no. If I'm Jake Wallman right now, I'm saying, okay, I was buried in the St. Louis lineup for a long time. Uh, I missed time with the Red Wings, so even my coming out party was delayed. I am now, uh, how old is he? He's not like young, young. Jake Wallman is 26 years old. He probably wants what he thinks is back pay. Jake Wallman wants to earn some of his missed dollars, and he knows this is going to be one of, if not his biggest contract, depending on the length. His ask could be high. Steve Eisenman might have a tough decision to make with him, and if he knows his ask is high and he knows he might even have to deal him at the deadline because there is interest in Jake Wallman across the NHL, uh, then yeah, you, you definitely want to lock it, lock up in Olimata. Flexibility extends beyond just competition for roster spots. Olimata's insurance if the Red Wings cannot re-sign Jake Wallman. Olimata is insurance if Simon Edvinson isn't ready next year. Olimata is insurance if Ben Chirot can't flip to the right side because... If you look at next year, you can pretty much pencil Cider, Hronik, Sherratt, into and Mata now into this lineup with Penn. Barring trades. Barring trades. Um, so you ha- maybe have Wallman back. You maybe have Edvinson up. That's six, the six likely defenders you're going into next season with. And you kind of have Lindstrom as that rotation guy, assuming they don't sign any more free agents. You can work with that. That is a lot of options. If the bottom pairing has to be, let's say, Mata and has to go to his off wing and play with Edvinson because that's the way the performance goes, okay. If Mata, you want him to anchor Hironic again and you want Edvinson to play with Sherratt, you can do it. Maybe Edvinson stinks in camp. And even though they were planning on him playing, he's not ready next year, which looks very unlikely as of late, but it's possible. It's insurance. You like, you can't just go into training camp and pencil in the six guys you want and the 12 forwards you want. It never works out that way. Guys get hurt. Guys underperform. Guys you didn't expect overperform. I don't think anybody had Soderblom penciled into the opening day lineup this year. No. You have to have flexibility because hockey is not predictable. People are not predictable. There's a million things that are going to happen between now and October that are going to affect what next year's opening day roster looks like. And if you pigeonhole yourself by penciling in the 12 forwards in the 6D and anything goes wrong, you're screwed. As we have seen countless times this year, because I think we all had uh, Jacob Vron and Tyler Bertuzzi written in pen for this entire season in the Red Wings top six. How did that go? What would this season have looked like without David Perron, without Dominic Kubelik, without Andrew Kopp, without the emergence of Jonathan Berggren and Elmer Soderblom? This would be close to the 1920 season. But as we preached all offseason, Eisenman gave this roster tons of flexibility, tons of depth, and it prevented this season from being, literally, that's the reason this season isn't a disaster, is because guys stepped up because they had the guys that could step up. Even when things got bad, it wasn't atrocious. The floor didn't fall completely out from beneath them. Did they have bad losses? Did they get caved when they shouldn't? Did they uh, collapse at times in inexplicable ways? Yeah. 
but not even close to the to the degree that they have in the past five seasons. And hockey's weird. They're, every team is going to have bad games. So like when the Red Wings have bad games, bad stretches, and you know that blow it against Boston, whatever. It's going to happen as long as it's not happening with frequency. I mean, Arizona beat Tampa Bay last night. That's hockey. It's weird. You have to minimize the damage when things get bad. And that is what that has probably been the biggest success story of the Red Wings as a franchise this year is a lot went wrong and it didn't go off the rails. Arizona goaltenders are the reason why Arizona is not going to get Connor Bedard. It's it's hilarious. Is Ingram played a hell of a game, man? Arizona is such a funny team to to follow this year. But no, you make a great point, Brad. Like the, that kind of organizational depth is it solving the most crucial needs? Which is you know the Red Wings need an elite scorer. The Red Wings need to not have lost their two most important two of their most important point producers. The Red Wings need altogether a much more talented defensive court. No, it, it doesn't solve all of those but it is the important kind of filler that actually matters. It's filler. It's the kind of filler you want. You need filler no matter what, but you want it to be two-year contracts for Ole Mata at age 28 when you know he's playing well rather than just bringing back, you know, whatever 35-year-old who's been with your team for eight years and is a shell of his former self just because that's what you've been doing. And that's, that's the change between the Red Wings seven years ago and the Red Wings now. And we should be very acutely aware of this, every single one of us, because... Guess what? When Tyler Bertuzzi went down and there was that glaring hole in the first line, they didn't have to plug it with Darren Helm or Luke Glendening. When there was, you know, it didn't happen, but let's say there was injuries that led to a glaring hole beside Mo Mo Sider on defense. If you had to plug Ole Mata in there, you're fine. He's not Danny DeKaiser. Like, it makes a tremendous difference in how your season can play out when things go wrong. And I, sh- cause it's not an, if things are going to go wrong. So you better have contingencies in place. And I'm talking as if only mod is an extra. No, he's going to be an everyday top six contributor. He's that he's more than good enough to be in that role. But yeah, if, if he's anchoring your bottom pair, that's probably a pretty good pair. He can stabilize a second pair. We have seen him do that this year. Could he plug in next to Mo Sider if need be, I would bet very much that he could. So again, circling back to my first point, you need flexibility. And when you have good players, keep them. Also putting this out there, I would sooner try to see if Olimata can play the other side and stick him with a, a hypothetical Simon Edvinson who makes the Red Wings to try to to give him a, a gentle landing in the NHL rather than put him with Ben Sherratt. I'm not trying to just dunk on Ben Sherratt out of nowhere here, but seeing how his time with uh, a Mo Sider one at the start of this season, I, I wouldn't want to place him with with Simon Edvinson or Albert Johansson or if any of those young guys make the team. So, and we didn't talk about the dollars, three million a season, fine, right? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep, that's what it costs for uh, a player of his caliber. Now, I did mention there's no trade protection. Ole Mata would have been a player that teams are targeting at the trade deadline. Just to state this, it's unlikely now to to trade a player so soon after signing him, but there is nothing stopping Steve Eisman from trading Olimata now. Uh, there's no trade protection on that deal. He doesn't have any trade protection as a player. I don't think it's going to happen. It's generally not how things go. Um, but if a team wants Olimata and offers the right price, they could still get him. And if a team says, oh, is Jake Wallman on the outs, they could still go out and get him. Obviously, he's an unrestricted free agent um, at the end of the season. Uh, but let's talk about 
the Red Wings trade deadline uh, as a function of where they are in the standings. As of right now, before the Calgary game, so if the Red Wings completely torch this entire conversation, please know we were recording two, three and a half hours before that game starts. Uh, the Red Wings are four points out of a wildcard spot. Washington Capitals hold the second one. And they have three games in hand. So they could, if the Red Wings win those three games or get five uh, of the possible six points, they could find themselves in a wild card spot. Now, Buffalo has the exact same points, um, exact same games played, exact same points percentage and is higher in the standings because of tie break. Uh, but Detroit is in range here where even us, where all three of us said we don't expect the Red Wings to make the playoffs, you have to have the conversation. And we'll have that conversation ongoing over the next little while. Let's see how it plays out. But does the trade deadline strategy change has been a question. It should also be pointed out that between Buffalo and Washington is the Islanders and the Panthers. Yeah, who have a poorer points percentage. But you still have to win those games and pass to get those the teams. Yeah. yeah. So basically the Red Wings have to leapfrog four teams to get into the playoffs. Now, the way the Red Wings are playing and the way the teams ahead of them are playing... Uh, do I think it's possible? Yeah. But is it likely that you're going to outperform four teams between now and the end of the season? I'm going to call that very unlikely. Um, again, possible, but unlikely. To me, I don't think the deadline approach changes um, because I don't think anybody, us included, were saying to blow this thing up at the deadline. We're talking two, maybe three trades. I'm still in the mindset of that. Mata was one of the candidates. He's not anymore. I think that's probably the one thing that's changed. Wallman and Bertuzzi have too much value that if you are not extending them, they have to go. Because again, even if the Red Wings make the playoffs, this they're going to get wiped in the first round. This is not the year to be Bye. adding, to yeah. be losing value be, by holding guys. And let's be honest, Bertuzzi hasn't done much this year. I don't think it's a huge. He's been he's been better. That he is he also a been, player who's been yeah. much better since the All Star break. But Detroit has gotten to this point in the season with very little from him this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, trading Tyler Bertuzzi isn't blowing the whole season up. I think trading Jake Wallman actually would have a much greater impact on this team um, at this point. But yeah, those are two guys that have value that will help you in the years you're expecting to be a contender. And again. Playoffs are possible this year, but in no reality are the Red Wings a contender this year. They, if everything goes absolutely right and Billy Huso goes on the heater to end all heaters, maybe they get around. Maybe. So is that a reason to buy? Is that a reason to, if someone's offering a first round pick for Bertuzzi, pass it up? No, absolutely not. Those, you still have to explore those options. And again, they have so much depth at forward. So much that if, again, I'm not saying this is the guy they should trade, but let's say a good offer comes for Oscar Sundqvist, who's a pending UFA. You can plug in Ernie. You can plug in Verona. You can plug in Soderblom. There are bodies that can fill this role without hurting the team too much. So to me, nothing should have changed. Not a damn thing, but you never know. Okay, let's, uh, I first of all, I agree with you, Brad. I think, you know, you don't, this isn't this season to be uh, uh, buying. And I think, like you said, letting players walk for no value is equivalent 
to buying because you're you're keeping them in the hopes that they do something this playoffs. And, and this is just not the season to do that, especially with Bertuzzi. I agree about Wallman. I wonder if the calculus on that is a bit harder. I don't know what those conversations have been like. We don't have much insight into that yet, but um, I, I, I wonder if Steve Eisman will know by the deadline. He'll certainly get calls about him. But let's do a little hypothetical here. What point, like what point total do you think will be the cutoff for the playoffs in the East? 95 to 98? I was going to say 95. Let's call it 96 then. So 96, that means the Red Wings would need 38 more points in their last 29 games, so 58 points possible. So 38 points uh, in 29 games is a a .655 points percentage. They are currently, to this point in the season, they've played at a .547 clip. So they got to go on a heater. They have to go on a heater for the rest of the season. They got to win on Wing Wheel Podcast day slash night. That they absolutely do, and all the nights surrounding it, pretty much. They got to beat everybody in front of them. They're, Pittsburgh's that, not super comfortably in a playoff spot. That could be a real fun game if certain things go a certain way. They have Seattle coming up. They have the Rangers. They have Tampa. They have back to back against Ottawa, which I mean, Ottawa's in some kind of state. Um, There's an Islander game there. I see Islanders. They have Seattle again. They have Boston, Boston, Colorado. Like their strength of schedule is not friendly to them. It's not all tough games, but they're they're going to have to have a lot of wins. Where we're on the podcast after and saying, "Oh my God, this is how the Red Wings eked out that win." And Huso made this huge save, and uh, Larkin scored four goals in this period. And in this period, yeah, well, I mean, he scored two. Why not four? <laughs> Why not four? Yeah. yeah, same thing. He won nine million dollars. Score four goals in a period. Fair I, enough. Eisman's like, can you please not put that out to the world? He's going to do it the way he's playing. Uh, just and, and that's to say, enjoy how the Red Wings are playing. I am absolutely all for cheering to see if they can sneak in. Folks are like, oh, they're further out of the Bedard lottery, guys. He's not. The, the Red Wings are not going to be in the Bedard lottery. I'm not in any no, meaningful way. Not listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> if they sneak in as as like one of the minimal teams, yeah, that's a possibility. They are such a far cry from the favorite, and there was no way this season was going to shake out where they'd be one of the, the five top teams likely to get Bedard. Uh, I'm going to cheer for the wins, obviously, uh, but the math ahead of them is difficult, I'd say. So, Evan, if for you, does uh, do you change your approach? No, I don't think it changes anything for me. I think, like we've just discussed, the math doesn't really add up to be a buyer and i think you know looking at the in the season as a as a sum it it's not a buying season but that being said i think there are maybe some moves that could be done that look like buys that position the red wings in a good spot for the future um rather Timo than Meyer. rather than you know a win now type of trade so yeah i'm not a buyer if i'm the red wings but you know it's always a good time to make some smart moves on desperate teams. We'll see what comes up. The Red Wings have a important two weeks ahead as we head up to the trade deadline. Uh, a note about Simon Edvinson, the reason he's been talked about. He had a four-point night the other night, a 5-4 win for the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, he uh, Goal and three assists was it, a plus five rating and a 5-4 win. That's huge. Uh, according to Ice Hockey Gifts uh, on Twitter, he now has 10 points over his last 11 games played. It looks like things are coming together for Simon Edmondson. Um, really kind of routing out his game. Max put out an article on him recently as well. Um, good to see. This is the kind of progress you want to see from Simon Edmondson in Grand Rapids this season. 
And if you're cheering for, you know, a nine game stint this year or for him to have a shot out of camp next season, it's trending in that direction very, very well. This is why they sent him to Grand Rapids at the beginning of the year. This is what they were looking for. This is what they were hoping for at some point in this season. And after a shaky start, he has got there with an exclamation mark. All right. Some final notes here. Some NHL news. Uh, We wrapped up last episode's main topics by talking about Jacob Chikrin and apparently a deal was close with LA that included Brant Clark. Yeah, there's still no deal. Uh, Brant Clark has been confirmed to not be part of any trade. Um, so that got nixed um, as well. Uh, it looks like the it's not even confirmed that LA is the team that was necessarily the closest or is at least not the closest right now. There were conversations about they were trying to include a, a bad contract. People have assumed it's Cal Peterson, whatever it might be. It's a whole big convoluted mess. Chikrin's not being uh, traded at this very moment, unless it happens after we record. Um, Didn't get traded after last episode and continues to not be playing hockey for the Coyotes. I don't want to hear anything more about this until something happens. I'm at that point. Yeah, this is the Mitch Marner situation. My eyes just rolled around my head twice. That's That's why I closed my eyes. That's one more revolution than they usually are doing when I speak. Uh, Yeah. I, I, you know, I really... I don't want to say I hate it. I don't get it when people are like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. I'm like, this is what trade news is like in in hockey. No, this one, I'm like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. There's been just so much jumping the gun on, you know, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. It's outrageous. It's, it's not just that it's happening constantly. It's been happening for two years. (laughs) I'm done. I can't take it anymore. This is the slowest burn I've ever seen in my life. And we're, and we've been talking about trading Tyler Bertuzzi for like (laughs) 10 months. And that's like, Half the time, less than half the, this has been going on for. Um, one thing I will say, though, I have no problem with what the Coyotes are doing. No, it's very, very smart for both the player and the team. Now, if Chikrin wasn't for this, like if he hadn't requested the trade and he wasn't obviously in agreement with this, I would have a different opinion. I'm sure the PA would as well. Yeah, but it seems like the PA is not bothered. Bettman's not bothered. The Coyotes aren't bothered and Chikrin's not bothered. I think it's smart. And yes, am I saying that as a fan of a team who... Uh, had to give away Mike Green for less than what they wanted and lost other players who are useful at the deadline because they were hurt. Yeah, of course. I think it's prudent. And this is imperative to the Coyotes rebuild. Sit them out. Don't risk it. Why would you? You're not making the playoffs. You're trying to get Connor Bedard, but your own goalies are spoiling it. They got to sit their goalies out. I honestly don't know that they'd lose. Like, They'd still find a way to win. Vimelka would make saves from the stands. Yeah, uh, here's the stipulation. We'll trade you Jacob Trickham, but you have to take Carol Vimelka. Wait, isn't he good? Yeah, yeah take he's, him. He's killing us. Um, and then final note here before overtime. Uh, we mentioned the company that owns Bally Sports um, is uh, going heading towards bankruptcy. Uh, the Diamond Sports subsidiary of Sinclair Broadcast Group, uh, which again is a company that we're talking about, has officially skipped a $140 million debt payment, which triggers a bunch of legal stuff, 30-day window, blah, blah, blah. Um, they are heading towards bankruptcy. bankruptcy. That process is proceeding as expected. Uh, not a great situation for the various uh, Bally broadcast regions, including Detroit. Um, and the NHL uh, had a uh, board of governor call right after that happened. And they put out a statement that said, the NHL is closely monitoring the RSN situation. We'll, we will be prepared to address whatever circumstances dictate to, provi- to provide our fans with access to our games. That, to, that to me says two things. One, 
they are aware of the seriousness of the situation. And two, the situation is serious. Like there's oh, a real risk of games not reaching fans if this goes in the direction that it is very clearly heading in. Well, it's all hockey-related revenue, right? That has huge salary cap implications. It has implications for pockets. It has implications for, like, whenever there's a fan base where... This ruined Kyle Dubas's week. <laughs> He's he, got $26 of cap space. He really needs the TV deal to stay as Kyle progressing du- forward. Kyle Dubas is like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to be here past June. I don't care about next year. How am I going to fit Timo Meyer? Uh, into this lineup. It's got to LTIR someone until the playoffs. He's just standing outside of Alex Kerfoot's house with a tire iron. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't moved for four days. (laughs) (laughs) Just staring at each other through the window. (laughs) (laughs) The reporting out of Toronto is so funny. Like when the uh, the Chikrin rumors first came up, there was like a tweet out there and I believe the tweet, but someone was like, I'm at the game. I was looking up at the owner's box and uh, Dubis was uh, looking at his phone and just fist pumped out of nowhere and there wasn't a goal or anything. I'm like, Toronto's just on a different level. They vibrate at such a high frequency at all times. Oh, they're doing, they're at the high frequency. That's for sure. It's, it's too much for me. Hey man, it's parlay hit. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So we don't know about Chikrin yet. We don't, uh, the Valley sports, sorry, that situation. Um, I'm going to say this every time. There are real people working uh, for Bally Sports, uh, not just in Detroit, but across all the regions. Um, whatever version of um, either patchwork access or new ownership or whatever this results in, uh, I just hope those uh, great people uh, working there are are taken care of. And it's hard when you see um, how it affects that industry. Like this is a, a very real thing. And also, I will say again, as we've repeated on previous episodes, if this is an opportunity for the NHL to make the game easier to access, they have a, it is imperative that they do it. I think they have a responsibility to the fans to make this, try to make lemonades out of, a lemonade out of lemons here. All I can think of is the, uh, the boardroom meme where the boss is like, yeah, we need to, we need to do something about this TV issue. And someone's like, put, put more blackouts, something, something. And then one guy's like, just charge $10 a month and get rid of blackouts and he gets thrown out the window. That's what I feel <laughs> like. Exactly this right. is the vibe I'm getting, but I've always sort of had that vibe about the NHL. So if that doesn't happen, I'll be very pleasantly surprised. If anybody sees Bill Daly flying past a window <laughs> near you, we know what happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's jump into overtime here uh, where we take questions from our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. If you want to support the show. Uh, this show exists because of our Patreon ex- uh, supporters. We have grown to nearly 20,000 followers on Twitter. We have partnered events with the Red Wings. We sometimes break news. We Anything that happens is because our Patreon supporters have allowed us to grow. They get access to the Winged Wheel Podcast Discord, which is an excellent community. Uh, they get uh, access to our uh, overtime bonus episodes, which post right after the main episode, which is uh, we answer all the questions that don't make the main episode. We also let loose, have fun, uh, shoot the shoot the breeze, and generally have a good time and you get entered into all of our giveaways uh automatically we're giving away two tickets to every detroit red wings home game this season the majority of them going to patrons so again patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast if you want to support the show uh jm rhapsody says i'm glad Huso decided to show up in edmonton uh i'm not convinced anyone else did including the coaching staff uh what the actual FERC was that third we are the wing were the wings seriously trying to throw that game gaffs and miscues galore should have resulted in an l but huso had other plans 
here's a great idea. Let's get completely caved in the third and lose a multi-goal lead. Let's have uh, three dangerous icings late in third and overtime to nearly cost us a game. Here comes Lalone saying, hold my beer. Sider's going to take the shootout shot when we have a chance to win. It felt like the whole team uh, <laughs> was off there, uh, was drunk. Am I off my rocker on this or did anyone else feel like the team was out of it? They, uh, this is uh, this is very according to script. <laughs> that was equal parts. The Red Wings absolutely were very, very, very flat in the third in the Edmonton Oilers remembering that they're the Edmonton Oilers, right? Like, you're right. Like, I don't think you're off your rocker. Like the D- Detroit was very, 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 they were lucky to kind of get away. Oh, extremely lucky. Um, okay. <laughs> Armchair GM slash genius says, who are we trading Raymond for? He's clearly been holding us back. That's right. <laughs> Lou's desk drawer says, hey guys, hope all is well. I'm originally from Michigan, hence my wings fandom, but I moved to South Florida at a young age and was never able to play hockey myself. I'm now 30 with a three-month-old. Hey, congratulations. Uh, that I want to get into the sport when he's old enough. I figure it's best for me to play and learn before I introduce him to the game we all love. With all that said, what is the best route for someone with knowledge of the game but no skills to start playing? I know there are beer leagues in town. Perhaps that's the best. Side note, I got to watch Ned regularly uh, here as a member of the Florida Everblades when they were the Hurricanes ECHL affiliate. Um, I don't know the hockey scene in Florida all that well. If there's any drop-in shinnies, those are always a really good bet because it's basically beer league skill level, but with uh, somehow even less of a give-a-shit level, um, which is a really good time to screw around and learn some things. If not, beer league is the right path because you just get familiar with, you know, the pace of play, you know, being at that level because it is really a different experience being on the ice in a game versus watching it. Like it, it's really hard to put into words, even a beer league game relative to a high level game. Um, but yeah, just get your gear, get on the ice as much as you can and, uh, talk to people like you find, find the best player on your team. Talk to them lots. You'll learn, you'll learn a lot in probably a very short amount of time. There are so many people at your level too. If there are, I don't want to say everyone is going to be kind. Um, they should be, but there are always jerks in hockey spoiler. Uh, and if anyone is, they don't matter. Like, they, hey, that's me. Yeah, yeah. You're ultra competitive. Yes. Um, there are always people at your level. There's always people lower on the rung than you. Just try. Go out there, fall on your ass, make a fool of yourself, get completely gassed one shift in. It's all part of the process, um, and you'll 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 grow to love it. I promise. Uh, Andrew Pillen says, now that the Red Wings are undefeated with Zadina back, it's time to ask the question: Was Lucas Raymond and Jake Wallman the problem all along? <laughs> Uh, we should make a note. Zadina, though, obviously just the one goal, uh, that line like really had their moments. I don't want to say they were perfect the entire time, but it's been, um, less rocky than I thought for his return. I can't remember if I saw it before or after the Edmonton game, but Philip Zadina's analytics since his return are actually really good. <laughs> they kind of always are like the numbers, the underlying numbers are never un. they're pretty forgiving towards his game. I find because again, like so many of the things he does up until the net are good. Yeah. But uh, moral of the story, Raymond and Wallman weren't holding us back. Zadina is just accelerating us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Patrick J says, how much do you think Bert has improved his stock since the all-star game? I think quite a bit. Has it gone down? I think with Bertuzzi, his stock going down was a big unknown. Like we said, there's a wide window of what his outcomes could be. Um, and I think he's done a lot to kind of hopefully smooth over concerns that this was something more permanent and not just a result of the two kind of freak injuries. 
Um, I don't know. I, I think he's done enough to to make the conversation again. Yeah, maybe Bertuzzi could get a premium return. Not like multiple firsts, but I we might be getting into a first-round pick value territory here. Don't do that. Don't get me hope. Am I being too optimistic? I could be. I think yeah, he's been pretty good in, in small spaces. I think he's been excellent around the net. That's what like that's the, the selling point of his game, right? Like someone who's buying Tyler Bertuzzi wants someone who's gonna clean up in front of the net, get into the dirty areas, elbow someone in the face, bang in the rebound, produce, and play a playoff game. You made Ethan Bear's night a living hell the first night against Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Beer League Defenseman says, gear question. I use a pair of large elbow pads, but they slip down my forearms constantly during games. Any tips to keep them more in place? Velcro is as tight as I can get it, or should I look at going down a size? For reference, I'm 6'4". Hey, same man. I was about to say, Ryan, you can just ask us these questions. You don't have to submit (laughs) burner Patreon questions. And bought the large size based off the sizing chart from Bauer. Thanks. If he didn't put that 6'4 thing in there, I was going to say that. (laughs) It might not just be the size. It could be the model because some models are looser fit. Some are more uh, tapered fits. So, you know, if you have a Supreme or a Tax, that would track um, so if you, if the smaller size feels too small, maybe switch from like a Supreme to a vapor, if that is the option. Um, if everything's just not working, I, I know a lot of guys who tape their elbow pads, but if the Velcro is not getting it tight enough, I don't think tape's going to do anything. Get to the gym, do some curls, get the soup yep. cans out, do some wrist curls, get the forearms yep. huge. Dude, forearms yeah. are impossible to grow though. Like halfway up your arm, yes, but like from middle of your arm to your wrist, that's just genetics. When I first think of Gordy Howe, I think of that picture of him fishing or whatever, and he's got his, he looks literally like Popeye. Was it fishing or pitching hay? It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. Something that, you know, old timey. Yeah. But yeah, so try a smaller size on. That would be step one. If that's too small, try the different model on. That's step two. And if that doesn't work, uh, zip ties. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say the smaller size. Also, elbow pads have come a long way. Um, I wore kind of old school elbow pads with her way too long, and they took enough hacks to the wrist where I got ones. Between the, the, the elbow pads and your gloves, you should be able to protect your wrist pretty well. Um, so make sure that you don't have too much exposed bone like Tyler Bertuzzi plays with. Lunatic. Um, all right, question here from... Give me a contract, boys. Oh, this is uh, this is our friend, the Verona Insider, who got the picture at the airport. It was better. Oh, conf- I thought when you said give me a contract, I thought this was Dylan Larkin. No, no. Uh, it says, as a recently made insider, apparently, I have to say it's an interesting job. Glad I could help you, Ryan. I'm happy to give some sort of evidence to what was happening with Verona. Yeah, I, like I legitimately sent it to someone. So, like There was very fair speculation. They're like, Ryan, we believe that you had this, but still. It's only like you and David Pagnotta. And I was like, look, he's at the airport. Just look at this tweet. He's at the airport. This isn't for me. This is from someone else. Um, I'm hoping he plays tonight. Eh, don't think he will be. Uh, with the recent Matt signing, how to how do Edvinson, Johansson, and uh, Valinder make it to the Red Wings? Sherratt to the right side third pair and maybe a Wallman extension as well. It's difficult for them, especially considering that both Edvinson and Johansson are ready. Thoughts and would this defense be considered cup ready? If so, well, I'm gonna. I want to make one point right away, and then I'll let you take it from there. I don't think Johansson's ready. That it seems to be firmly established, at least in the Twitterverse, that everybody says Johansson's walking into this lineup next year. Even if there was a, a gap there, I I don't think he's there yet. Do you want to inject a 
probably two rookies into your defensive core. <laughs> There's a possibility, but I, like I think Johansson could do it, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I agree. I don't think that would be what's best for Johansson. If he has to, I'm sure he could fill it in a pinch adequately, but I don't think that's where he's at in his development. But yeah, Edvinson, I think uh, the way it's trending, he'll have nothing left in Grand Rapids, but I think another year for Johansson or another half season would probably go a really long way. And in terms of um, how it works, yeah, maybe someone flips to the right side. It could be Sherratt. It could be Mata. Maybe someone gets traded this deadline. Maybe Wallman doesn't sign. It, there's a, Like Brad was saying earlier, so much can happen. Um, if Valinder could, uh, there's a, a, a world here where Valinder leapfrogs both Edvinson and Johansson. Like it, that could happen. Uh, there's just too much unpredictability. Would that be a cup, can, cup ready uh, defensive core? No. Even if the, the players at their peaks could eventually be cup ready, they are not right now. You would need time for Edmondson. You would need time for potentially Johansson or Valinder, whoever. Um, and you would need improvement just in general. It's really hard to say. I'm going to seed one thing with both of you. And I told myself I wouldn't say this on air for a while, but I'm going to say it anyways because I'm an idiot. Is there a possibility that Eisenman sees the Ben Chirot contract as movable and one that he isn't fond of uh, and in a year or so moves it out? Because he sees this logjam, he sees that those guys are ready and he was he thinks, if I can get something for Chirot, I will you know call the mulligan on this one and just move the contract out. Well, you got him for free other than having to pay him money. Yeah. Three more years after this one. That contract's not movable. I think it's movable. I disagree. I think it's movable. It's it's south of $5 million. With three more years. If you retain players. Your teams don't retain for three years. No, no. But teams also really like Ben Sherratt. He's had interest multiple times. You're not wrong that teams like Ben Sherratt, but I, I have a hard time seeing that one. Could Do I see a world where Eisenman could be looking at this year and going, oh, yeah, I messed up. I need to get out of this. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I'll actually be disappointed if he's not thinking that already. Um, But I I don't think it's movable. And even if it is, and even if Eisenman wants to, I think where he'll be looking at that will be after training camp and preseason next year to see, okay, how many NHL-ready defensemen do I have right now? And if that number is greater than seven, yeah. then I could see a reality where he's trying to make that move. Yeah, because if like none of the young guys are cracking the roster, then you don't even necessarily want to move on from that because you need NHL-level bodies. Yeah, because right now, like I said, if you don't count Lindstrom, they have bas- and you do count Evanson, they basically have six NHL defensemen next year with a Wallman extension, which isn't a guarantee. So they might not have the luxury of being able to trade Ben Sherratt in terms of what they need for their roster. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Are the Red Wings, will the Red Wings uh, decor be cup ready if all of these good things happen? The answer is no, but they are substantially better. Like the holes become smaller. I see a world where their defense as constructed could be a Stanley Cup defense with what they have in the system, but there's a lot of, there's a lot that Oh, has, with the system. Sorry, sorry, sorry. With the system, yeah. yeah. Mo Siders has more progression. Philip Ronick was an illusion. You know, Mata continues to be what he is. Jake Wallman continues to be what he looks like. Edvinson Ed- comes in as... First pairing left defenseman yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you 
drafted Simon Edvinson to be. If that all happens, yeah, you could definitely win a Stanley Cup with Mo Sider, Edvinson, and Wallman, and Hironic. Absolutely. I don't think we've had any concerns about the long-term outlook of this Red Wings defense in a year or two. All our concerns are at forward right now. Yeah. Yeah, if you have two top 10 picks playing defense, you should have a fairly good defensive core. And you right? should, yes. And one you of those should. top and one of those top two playing like a possible first overall pick in a lot of drafts. Like, Have I talked to you guys about that one-on-one play he made on McDavid at all yet? No. No? No, I haven't. Let me Please tell you. Please go into extreme detail. <laughs> Buckle up. It's like uh, Rick and Morty. Like, you haven't heard of the Gear Wars? Oh, boy, am I envious of you. Uh, all right. That's probably a good note to wrap up this episode. Uh, very curious to see what the Red Wings do with their upcoming schedule. Uh, we're going to be back with you on Sunday. The Red Wings, in the meantime, play against Calgary tonight and Seattle on Saturday. Uh, we'll see if Verona slots in. Um, we'll see if any news breaks in terms of the world of trades. We'll see if Jacob Chikrin's traded by then. Probably not. Who knows? Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, please do, if you're interested in meeting with Ken Daniels, getting tickets to that Red Wings game on the 25th, uh, raising money for a great cause, and getting a piece of Winged Wheel Podcast merch like the custom Mickey Redmond fl- flannel, bid on the auction. The link will be in the description of this episode, and we'll post it on Twitter as well. Uh, DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP to get your tickets to Winged Wheel Podcast night on uh, Saturday, April 8th. Uh, as well, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to support the show. Uh, We'd like to thank all of our listeners, new and old, our name level supporters on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Ground Foundation, Akefer, Armchair GM slash Genius, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the number 69 Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Glenn Brabham, Aiden White, Keenan O'Donohue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Croner's Left Knee, Babe Landiscog, Carl Brutanen Analuski, Chimmy, Chris P., Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hered Hot Ronick, Hassam Al Kassem. I love my co host so much. Give me a smooch on the cheek, guys. Let me have it. What the hell? <laughs> Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, <laughs> Joseph Barry. The Let Me Have It really sent me there. That was good. Kaylin <laughs> uh, Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Las Ensaladas Picantes, Marcus. Uh, Massive Wong, Evan Longsaber, Matt McKay, Michael Edlund, Nadelkovich, goalie number one, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Send It Seawolf, That's What I Appreciates About You, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Antonio Gracias, Ben Barron, noted Philip Zadina Whisperer and proud member of the Jake Wallman Gritty Club, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, C.J. Wilkinson, who I believe is a brand new name level sponsor. Welcome, C.J., and thank you for your support. Connor Leighton, Darren Fick, Philip Zadiz Nuts, George's biggest fan, Grand Rapids hockey guy, Griffey Boy, Heronix Handlebar, James Laporte, Jeremiah Adobo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Lieutenant Matt S. of the Cheesebag Army, Linda Hall, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, O. Ophelia, Reed, Stephen, The Hodag, The Romantic Dreams, Brad Has About Eric Carlson, and finally my favorite patron, Matt Keeler. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.